0: So what has happened is, just like culture has always done, culture has taken words that God has meant for our good and shifted them for something bad. So we think about the prosperity gospel, we start automatically thinking about pastors who have been just talking about get money, get money, get money, get money, get more stuff. That's David not prosperity. 20. That's theft. That's theft. But if I am a Christian, I should be preaching prosperity. Why? Because that's what God wants all of us to do. Let's deal with the word prosperity in the rich prosperity does not mean more money it means thriving that's that's the literal definition of prosperity so should i not as a pastor be preaching for everyone to thrive not just financially but spiritually emotionally mentally every
1: pastor should be preaching that
0: that's prosperity
1: Welcome, everyone, to Wallet Talks podcast, where we are exploring ways to have meaningful and less awkward conversations about money while gaining tips to help our money go further. I am your host, Jason Alexander, and this is episode number five. Before we go further, here is a message from our sponsor, Wallet Coach. Have you been wondering how to get your money right? Stressing every month with never ending lists of financial demands? Or are you just tired of not knowing where all your money is going? Did you know that Wallet Coach has a solution? Wallet Coach offers one to one coaching sessions to get your money back into shape. Wallet Coach was formed to help everyday people get financially secure and free by teaching a four step approach to money management. Our favorite testimony is one client who saved up $1,000 as an emergency fund within six months. While only making $1,800 a month. If you are curious how Wallet Coach can help you in similar ways, sign up for a free 15 minute consultation on our website, thewalletcoach.com. That's thewalletcoach.com. Or text the word coach to 470 606 8949 to get a link to schedule. Now back to the show. So in this episode, my wife Tiffany joins me as a co-host to interview a couple who are both pastors of a local church, actually our local church, to gain insight on what the Bible says about money. Seriously, like what's the real deal with tithing, giving, or even what role should the church play when it comes to my money? We get to these questions and more in our topic of the day, money in the church welcome everyone we have another episode of wallet talks i am joined by two incredible people um they are personal in our lives they're actually our pastors of mosaic church mapleton we have the incredible broderick and erica santiago hi guys Thank you. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having us.
2: Yes, oh, thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you guys on today.
1: Yeah, and we we have a very interesting topic um, to talk about because since you guys are pastors, we want to get understanding of what the Bible says about money, prosperity, and wealth, like the whole thing, even giving. So we're just like really excited to get started. But tell me a little bit about you guys' background and and, and what you guys are up to.
0: Cool. Want me to start? Go ahead. Well, again, I am uh, Pastor Broderick Santiago, my beautiful bride. Pastor Erica Santiago, uh, Dr. Elect is what I'm gonna call. She's currently working on her doctorate. I'm sure she'll fill you in on that. Um, We've been married now for 18 years, together for 19 years, and uh, we have four children. Uh, we have an adult uh, son. We have uh, two high schoolers, and then we have uh, a 10 year old. And so um, that's us. Um, what else? We've been pastoring at Mosaic Church. We started Mosaic Church in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: um, and so we've been pastoring. At same time we got married.
2: Yeah. yeah. Same year yeah. we got married.
1: That was a good that year. That was an awesome year. <laughs> <laughs> we all got great benefits <laughs> <pictures laughs> out of that.
0: Well, uh, so the church has been around for nine years. I've been pastoring full-time for 10 years. And so uh, that's, that's I guess that's it. What, what do you share? Share, please.
3: Um, let's see, what else can I add? Uh, I'm married to this guy. Um, I'm currently in school working on a doctorate in ministry with a focus on discipleship, uh, which is something that really is, is about spiritual discipline and communication, learning to communicate better about uh, our beliefs uh, mm-hmm. with others because that's mm-hmm. what we're called to do. And uh, I feel strongly that money is one of those topics that not only in relationships do we not communicate effectively about it well enough, but I think in the church in general, uh, we don't have a great history of communicating well Mm
2: -hmm. about
3: what the Bible actually says versus our cultural beliefs. So exactly, that's That's kind of where I'm at on that.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly what the whole premise of Wallet Talks is about, to have better conversations and communicating well. Like you said, I love that. So I'm going to use that. Just let you know, putting you on notice that I'm going to use that part of my tagline. Go right
3: ahead. Okay,
1: great. Go ahead.
3: Let's be a blessing. blessing,
2: Yes. And going in line with that, talking about what the church has covered in terms of money, what has what was you guys' experience as it relates to money and um, what you learned in the church about it? As you grew up. <laughs> or even as you just grew up, not even necessarily in the church, but as you grew up as a child.
3: Um, well, I'll, I'll start with that one. Too. So we have different backgrounds. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, Roderick did not. Um, which I think is actually a plus for him <laughs> sometimes. <Amen. laughs> um, but growing up in church, money was covered, you know, uh, you know, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Um, people knew to tithe. I, I'm, I think it was covered traditionally in like new members classes um, and periodically from a sermon, but it was at least in the church that I grew up in, it was never something that was a huge push um, Mm -hmm. as far as guilting people into. But I know that in some circles in the church in the United States, uh, culturally, we have this guilt trip way of talking about money uh, to give to the church. It's like, we got to keep the lights on. We got to, you know, the furnace broke. We've got to replace that. And it's making sure that we tie, make the connection of why we need the money, yes, for ministry, but making that connection that uh, you are blessed to be a blessing uh, wasn't always consistent. And so I think that was one of the things that I heard a lot growing up in church was there was sometimes uh, a disconnect about mm. what it was that we were making money for and mm. what we were spending money on. It wasn't just for the upkeep of the building or just for, uh, for the preacher. And so I think that, you know, that's a historically or traditionally a missed opportunity, Mm -hmm. Uh, but tithing and a focus on the Old Testament teaching on it was always stressed. And I feel like that we didn't spend enough time talking about what the New Testament actually said, which is what we're under, the covenant that we're under as Christians. And so I think that, you know, again, that's a second missed opportunity there.
0: For me, you know, not growing up in the church financially. And I think that's what your question was asking about what we learned from church and from a personal experience from, you know, my yeah. parents never taught me how to budget. They never taught me anything about money. Um, I did learn how to hide from Rent-A-Center and I did learn how to- um, <laughs>
2: You would have on. never escaped oh, one of his family members. My goodness. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, by the you,
1: way i worked for them before
2: oh okay so you knew well,
1: yeah but <laughs> if, he's, if he can't hide from he was one of those people that was my mom's used to be a manager in the center the headache accounts where they won't yes. pay yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah but I, I i learned nobody ever taught me how to budget money all i ever knew growing up was you know you spend it you get money you spend it nobody taught me about credit nobody taught me about debt. Uh, As a matter of fact, this one right here taught me how to properly write a check, Mm. you know, because that's not something I learned. And though I didn't grow up in the church, I visited a lot of churches. And I do remember seeing this on the wall, uh, you know, the different groups that gave, Like they had these little sliding number things they Mm -hmm. put in there, oh, this Sunday, last Sunday, the children's ministry gave this much. And, you know, I do remember um, my grandmother uh, nanny who the movie Lackawanna blues and the play Lackawanna blues is written about sending me to church and giving me, you know, some money to put in the church. And Mm -hmm. while I would go to, I remember, I'll never forget St. Mark's AME Zion church Mm -hmm. on my way there. I'd stop at the corner store, buy me some snacks and put about 50 cents, but I was sitting in the back and eat my snacks. So that's what I knew about money. I knew that here's the thing nanny planted a seed that you have to give she never taught me why but she would mm. give me a couple dollars and say put mm-hmm. this in the church mm-hmm. she knew that there was that part of me was instilled but the why was never ever explained mm-hmm. and so um i learned about the importance of giving through tr- giving the church through s- personal study
2: okay you know, uh, yeah while i
0: was in uh, uh receiving a certificate of theology Uh, And being a member when I first became a Christian at the AME church is where I first learned about what the tithe is.
1: That's my first time even tithing. Mm -hmm. You you just said something before we get to the next question that I want to. I do remember those placards that was on the church walls that kind of said how much how many people attended last Sunday? What was our giving last week? What I was like it was a meme recently and I saw it. I was like, yeah, why do we have that? Like, why are we putting I guess we wanted to be transparent that we was using the month, the funds in the right way. But I was like, this just it was weird. I don't know why we did that. So. Well,
3: it's church metrics. I mean, there's an app for it now. Um, oh, okay. Heads taking attendance uh, from a church administration standpoint, we want to know who's there. So I grew up in a church where my dad was the pastor. Okay. So it was, you know, we were as you pointed out, we it was on autopilot that you gave. It wasn't even a thing like when my dad had the yellow legal pad at home and would write down the bills the, at the top of his list was always what he was giving or what our family was giving to the church, even though he was the pastor And because he was bivocational. Um, he gave his entire salary back to the church wow. every wow. Uh, every month. So plus tithing off of his, uh, his secular job. So uh, that was something that growing up that was just on autopilot for me. I never even questioned it. But on the placard, on the wall, you know, what was raised was to let people know, hey, if we have a goal, we also had in the lobby, one of those uh, thermometer posters. Yes, now always
1: the thermometers.
3: Raising money for this, whatever it is, either an event or or to fix something at the church in a building or the building fund. Um, I remember my parents were in the paper uh, in the 80s, because the local paper, because they retired the mortgage on the church building. Wow, um Our sweet. church did, and so they had a mortgage burning service. Wow. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners who grew up in church probably had that experience of sitting there going, "Why are they setting stuff on fire in the offering plate at the front of the church?"
1: Uh, no, I'm. A, I, I, I actually had a different experience. I use my experience is that that thermometer never got above seventy percent. It was always there <laughs> for like years. <laughs> I mean, years. I mean, I was like, dang, I'm like, I was a teenager. Now I'm an adult. Like, we still here? Why are we still at 70%?
3: (laughs) Well, there's that too. and so, But because of that, a lot of folks, I believe, have a variety of experiences with the church. Some churches, just like some households, uh, some parents taught about, you know, money. My parents had a very YOLO kind of philosophy when it came to money, even though we gave generously to the church as a family and it was very you know that was always instilled and paid our bills but there was also a you know you only live once kind of get the car you want to get uh get the go on the vacation you want to go on Mm. uh because tomorrow's not promised you know kind of uh attitude that I grew up with and so sometimes that gets you into trouble financially because you're not always connecting the dots and then I think that leaves us open in some ways, to falling for the heretical prosperity gospel Mm. in some settings, because that was really popular in the 90s, um, and still is in some circles, but people thinking that I'm supposed to get, if I give, I get, if I give, I get, and that's Mm. not really the teaching the church was trying to, to put out there, Mm. um, but it got warped somewhere along the way.
2: Wow. So kind of going along with, with what you were saying, um, in terms of what you were taught in the church versus what should be taught in the church based off of new testament teachings and also kind of going in line with the prosperity gospel that you've now mentioned
3: what should be taught in the church do you want to answer that one and then i i'm punting to him because he gave a really good sermon a few months ago that was so good that we put it on our church website on the giving page uh, so it really explaining from a new testament perspective uh why we give
0: um well i wasn't going to go there I was just going to oh, deal with the, the 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 prosperity thing um I'll, I'll say it this way I preach the prosperity gospel because okay. God i mean pros- we, we have to deal with what the word is and and So what has happened is just like culture has always done, culture has taken words that God has meant for our good and shifted them for something bad. So we think about the prosperity gospel, we start automatically thinking about pastors who have been just talking about get money, get money, get money, get money, get more stuff. That's not prosperity, that's that's theft. theft. But if Mm -hmm. I am a Christian, I should be preaching prosperity. Why? Because that's what God wants all of us to do. Mm -hmm. Let's deal with the word prosperity. Okay. In yes. prosperity does not mean more money it means thriving
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: that's the literal definition of prosperity so should I not as a pastor be preaching for everyone to thrive mm-hmm. not just financially but spiritually emotionally mm-hmm. mentally mm-hmm. every pastor should be preaching that that's prosperity the literal word Greek or Hebrew no matter how you look at it look at, you can look in the commentary, you can look at, at, at a concordance and you will see the Hebrew word for prosperity or the Greek word for prosperity. It does simply mean thrive. Mm-hmm. It means wow. to thrive. And as believers, we should all thrive. Now, what culture has done is take that one little bit because preachers who preach about, you know, oh, I got to get my, oh, you need to come up. This is your winning season. This is, you know, that's not prosperity. That's, 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 heretical in nature mm-hmm. and that's not what the prosperity so when we talk about prosperity gospel there is such a thing and i think it's just the gospel take mm-hmm. prosperity off of it the gospel is about prospering and so um i went off on a tangent there.
1: Well, living
3: life, okay, so where 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 you're going is living life. the verse on living life abundantly that, that Jesus right So what does an abundant life look like? In our culture and context right now, we think it's, you gotta have more money. But as Sage rappers have pointed out, more money, more problems. Mm. And so money is not the answer. Money is a tool. And I think that's the teaching that the church should be teaching. Money is a tool to be able to allow the church to do what the church is here to do, which is to help the community thrive. Um, we, from a Western perspective, we have a tendency to look at things from a indi- very individualistic pers- point of view. Yes. So it's all about me and my house and mm. what I can do. Mm-hmm. But the Bible isn't written in a Western, the, uh, Western philosophical context. Right. The Bible yeah. is written in, in God's word is written from an Eastern philosophical context, mm-hmm. which is based on the community. And we see that in the book of Acts everybody pulled their resources together. Even in the Old Testament, it was about pulling your resources together. And so the people who weren't working were the Levites, the tribe of the Levites who were were tasked with being the priests. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, because they didn't work, the tithe and the giving and offerings were going to them. But in Deuteronomy 26, it also points out that the tithes and offerings not only go to the Levites, to the priestly class, to the clergy, but also to the widows and orphans, the poor, mm. uh, to the foreigners that are visiting among you. And so when you have someone who's an atheist reading scripture and then they turn and they look at our Christian stance on immigration, on mm-hmm. our, our political stance on uh, people that are refugees, uh, it's, it's inconsistent and it's confusing. We're, we're diminishing our witness as believers wow. and followers of Christ. So when we think of living life abundantly it's all of us living abundantly mm, and that's, that's the good. context that the bible is is written in that we go back and we look at it. So, no it's all of us do well because here's the thing when we go all the way back to creation god speaks in the uh the from the perspective of the trinity it's all of us the father the son and the holy spirit create man in our image is what it says And then when Adam and Eve screw up in the garden, they both get punished. Yeah, it's it's in every time we see there's a screw up with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They all get in trouble.
2: Mm. It's
3: not just that one person that gets punished that caused the problem. It's everybody got punished. And so everybody thriving is the goal of the church. Where we yes. miss it is because our American individualism says the pursuit of happiness is an individual task. Wow. Ooh,
1: say that again, Pastor E. We call her Pastor E, <laughs> by the way, people. We call her, we call her Erica Santiago, Pastor Erica Santiago's Pastor E. We call Pastor, Pastor Broderick, Pastor B, so Pastor E, say that one more time, please.
3: Our American individualism points us to the pursuit of happiness uh, and not a, not being a group effort. It's, um, and I'm terrible at repeating myself. So I know I just said that in a completely different way. It's better.
1: Uh, It was more, it was better. So that's, don't worry about it. (laughs) I want to go back and talk about something because when Pastor B was saying, prosperity means thrive. I was like, yes, that's, I love that. But then my mind went to a place that I want you to help clarify. Mm -hmm. When the word thrive, does that mean I have no more struggles? No. Mm-mm. Doesn't mean that.
0: You thrive in the midst of struggles. That's what faith does. Faith allows That's that's why we have, that's why as believers we have to have faith that even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our shortcomings, even in the, even in the midst of moments where we're in the, in the wilderness or we're in the fire pit, we still thrive. Perfect example, um, if we can go Old Testament here, the three Hebrew boys, who were thrown into the pit, Yes. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. when
0: they were thrown into the pit, were they still thriving? The question, the answer to that is absolutely, why? Because when they looked into that pit, there were not three, there were four people. They were thriving, even in the fire. So what does that mean? That even in our struggles, we still thrive because we're not relying on our own strength. We're relying on the strength of the one whom we believe in and that is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we're thriving even when we struggle. You know why we're thriving when we struggle? because god wastes nothing even in our struggle there is goodness that will come out of it mm-hmm. you'll either come out wiser or stronger yeah. that's a fact
2: that's mm-hmm.
1: awesome i love it i love it because that's good. That's, good. that's good um i would say when you to me it's like okay then you're as a christian we have to just have that that's uh anchor in our souls mm-hmm. that's what's really thriving like you're you're not moved by the waves of the sea and things of that nature you're still on course um, and and we already talked about what that course is so so basically if I shouldn't feel bad or consider quote unquote my status in America from an economical standpoint as being an a poverty level or working class level as a sin is that right?
3: Well no it definitely po- um, poverty is not a sin um i don't know where we got that from actually i do know where we got it from so and jesus speaks to this um one of the people that jesus healed and i'm terrible with chapter and verse but somebody that jesus healed he's walking along he was healing a lot of people
1: he just healed a lot of people he just went on by just no you get a healing you get a healing
3: (laughs) yes he was like oprah like it's my favorite things so so one of the people that he healed the the I don't know if they were Pharisees or somebody else who's standing around is like, well, what sin did your parents mm. do? Mm-hmm. Like how yes. did your parents sin that, that caused you to be uh, uh, you know, in a position where you're sitting on the mat and can't move? Like you can't do what you can't thrive in your life. What sin did your parents do that caused you to be sick or ill or, or whatever? What sin did your parents do that caused you to be in poverty? And while we can look at, at poverty in a in one sense uh, from a, a generational everybody before me made some really poor decisions, poor financial decisions. Yeah, um, that's one way people get into poverty: uh, lack of knowledge, um, yes. la- You know, so we don't we we're not able to thrive because we don't know how to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to, to work, to operate in a context that we're in, the cultural context we're in. But when Jesus was going around healing people, he's like, no, his parents didn't do anything. It just is. Mm-hmm. And and piggybacking off of what, what Pastor V just said, Paul writes the, his letter to the church at Philippi from jail, from prison. And he talks about being content and he talks about the book of what we know as the book of Philippians is actually a letter. Most of the New Testament is actually letters. And so if you read it like out loud or listen to it out loud on your Bible app, you'll hear it more as a letter is hear it differently. It'll hit differently. Paul's context when he's writing, be content, um, think on these things. I call it the Peter Pan verse. Think on the happy mm-hmm. thoughts Tinker Tinkerbell shows up, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's thinking on these things, because even in your circumstance, whatever the circumstance, I'm going to praise God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the the good side of things. It's not being overly positive because it, there is a way to take that to the extreme and it become toxic yeah. in your life. Too positive. It's like, my house is burning around me, but I'm just going to stand here and wait for you know because I'm going to think happy thoughts. No, get yeah. out your house. Make better <laughs> decisions. You know, buy a fire extinguisher. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so what we mess up or what we do is we make these illogical um, ideas where we cherry pick verses out of mm-hmm. scripture. Yeah, and we try to string something together. It's not really there. And so, to your question. Poverty nowhere in God's word is a sin. What is a sin is not using the resources that God has given you effectively and making poor decisions. And mm. that is something that, that is sinful. When we sit there and we say, you know, uh, Solomon built the temple and this was great and it was awesome. And, and, and we, you know, high five Solomon on building the temple. But because of poor decision making on his father's part, David didn't get to build the temple. Hmm. He made some poor decisions and God was like, eh, nah, you can't be the one to build the temple, let Solomon do it. But then yeah. Solomon turns around and screws up because he builds little temples for all his wives around the temple. Hmm. So that's a whole mess. And what, but what this shows us is it's so easy to fall into something, and this is gonna be a big theological word, syncretism. Okay. Because in the black community in America, we have a tendency to mix and match religious beliefs
2: with mm.
3: uh, anything. So you take any of the, the religious beliefs anywhere in the world, and we will sit there and go, I like that, and I like that, and I like that, and I like that, and I'm gonna put it all together, and that's how I'm gonna operate. And mm. what Jesus comes along and says is, to, he says to the Pharisees, you know the word, you're supposed to be teaching the word, but instead you've got this screwed up because y'all have added a bunch of other random stuff to it. Yeah. And so Jesus teaches against mix and match um, Um, with our religion. And so that's where we get that poverty is a sin. It's not a sin. Jesus said, you will always have the poor among you. That's why God uh, has Moses write in Deuteronomy 26. There's a plan for how we deal with the poor. And then in the New Testament, James even says, you will have widows and orphans among you. Here's how we're supposed to take care of them. Mm that's so good when we think of thriving and poverty it's not mutually exclusive it's Mm it's it's not or it's and
1: so what i hear is in a christian uh culture or community there's going to be various levels of economic status
0: of course
1: right Mm -hmm. but everyone should be thriving yes and that's counter-cultural counter um it's, 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 it's a new way of thinking because you initially, like you said, America thinks individualism and it's like, well, if you're down there, then you're not as good or you're not thriving as, as well as I am.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they pull you up by your bootstraps. Right. Even the reverse, uh, you know, some people may feel humble like I'm humble because I don't have a lot of money and I'm not spending a lot of money so then it becomes pride because Mm -hmm. you know they're operating out of this idea that you know because they have less they're supposedly holier than thou you know versus the rich and you know they may bring you know examples of you know um like the scripture about the the hay you may have to fill this part in. <laughs> I don't
1: know what the, what the hay. I don't
2: uh, not the hay. Um, needle. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the needle. needle. Yeah. the, needle. Oh, oh. the eye. The, the, the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle. Yeah. I don't know yeah. where I got hay. I don't we'll know. Have to, a we'll needle. have to cut that out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But
1: well, I guess what's what I was also saying, getting to back to, where I thought it just came back to me. Even though there's various levels of economic status within a Christian community or any community, mm-hmm. uh, from a Christian standpoint, we should have these three pillars or at least two of these pillars. Um, humbleness faith and contentment Mm -hmm. and of course love but yes okay
3: all of that comes out of love um so so flip it around and it starts with love and from love is humility from love is contentment from love is our uh is our faith and Mm -hmm. that was what was the mark of the christian in the early church and we see that throughout the new testament it's what sets people aside and lets people know hey you're a follower of jesus and jesus tells us that in john 13 you will know my disciples by how they love mm. and because the christians were pooling their resources together because culturally speaking that wasn't really countercultural; it was the norm we always pool our resources together mm. that's how the yeah. people of god operated um because if i love you I don't want you in a position where you're not thriving, um, okay. and because I'm supposed to love mm-hmm. fellow Christians, Paul writes that in Galatians that that you know we're supposed to love everybody, mm-hmm. but whoa, we should be really loving our fellow believers, our mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ, and because we don't do that in our modern context, we're missing that, that point. So people who are not Christians are looking at us going, well, they don't show love. Mm. So how are they calling themselves a Christian? Um, it's that idea of that thread of if I'm thriving, he's thriving. Why? Because he's with me and building these communities of, of faith. But again, even in the Roman context, in the, in the, uh, Roman, Greco-Roman philosophical context, there was still an idea of individualism, but it wasn't the way that, it wasn't necessarily the way that we look at it now where it's, it's just me and I'm going to do everything I can do. There was one, of, it was more of the, we're all in this together, um, but I believe that I'm better than you type of mm. attitude. That was more the Roman philosophical way of looking at things. Mm. And, and here's the real kicker. The reason that Paul and his crew kept getting run out of town every time they went around and spread the gospel is because the idea of community and collective identity or collective, um, of pro- collective prosperity, collective thriving in Roman culture was you're not worshiping our gods. Mm. And mm. we can't have that because you're gonna cause famine and drought. And, uh, you know, if you're not going to the temple of Artemis in, in Ephesus and, and leaving an offering, then you're going to cause problems for the rest of us. Mm. So the Christians got blamed a whole lot in the early church in the first few hundred years for stuff that they had nothing to do with all because of the exclusivity of worshiping God. Mm. And that's the difference. That's why syncretism is such a problem in, even in the church today, because we are an exclusive. God said this in the Old Testament and Paul reiterates this in the New Testament and Jesus says it in the gospels, there will be no other God before me. Anything mm. else is an idol. Yeah. yeah. Because in the Roman culture, in that context, and even in our modern context, we keep wanting to put things before God in our lives.
1: That's and so
3: it ends up being idolatry but the reverse is from their perspective uh is well, if you're not with us, you're against us mm-hmm. and that's why the roman uh why the Roman uh society put the the Christians in front of the lions in the arena because they were like well, listen, we need y'all got to go Wow
1: <laughs> <laughs> lambs to the slaughter <laughs> yes lambs to the slaughter. so you mentioned something earlier, earlier too that uh, christians are going to be known by their love and love is uh pulls all the the faith and contentment together Mm
3: -hmm.
1: isn't one of those isn't love is an action word right it is all right so so we're going to shift in and it's a choice that's good so one of the things that actions i think from a money perspective to show love is through giving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're going to shift and talk about giving and dive into that a little bit more
2: yeah. So what what does the Bible say about giving? I know you touched on it a little bit already in terms of, you know, we should be working, uh, helping our fellow man to to thrive. And so can you give any more additional context to that? And you can also include things related to tithe off- offering.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, you know, because we're New Testament Christians that that, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, the tithe does not apply to us. Uh, they talk about it even in the in from a perspective in the New Testament. How you know Jesus doesn't really talk about the tithing about tithing, and um, as I've said before in a previous message, that they didn't talk about it because it was something that was regularly practiced. They didn't have mm. to keep writing about it. They didn't have to take, it was something that was already a part of the culture. It was a part of how they did things, especially those who were in the Jewish community. Okay. That's something separate. That's a heart thing. Paul talks a lot about giving, especially when it comes to the letters he wrote to the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he talks about giving according to your heart. He talks about how churches helped each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he actually uh, encouraged and, and, and uh, acknowledged uh, the giving of the, of the different churches, like in, in Galatia and in uh, Colossae. Mm-hmm. And, and so giving is above and beyond the tie. So mm-hmm. the, the tithe was a part of it. It's like, it, it, it's like, like taxes. We don't talk about it, but when you look at your check, <laughs> right? Social security and all of that stuff comes out automatically.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah we, fact, we that was it. just a
0: part of it. So I don't right. have to write about paying your taxes. If you receive a salary, not a contractor, but if you receive a salary, uncle Sam is going to just take his, and we ain't got to yes. talk about it. Mm-hmm. Jesus kind of talks about that a little bit when they try to question him about rendering the to Caesar, what is the Caesar's? yes but the tithe the reason why i don't talk about a lot of it in the new testament is because it was something that was commonly practiced mm. as a matter of fact jesus did talk about the tithe he said yes tithe do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. You, you, you should do that i mean yep. that's what you do already yeah, don't stop true. doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> what percent yeah so so what is a tithe
2: mm-hmm.
0: right so let's talk about that the tithe predates the law before it was a law mm-hmm. uh old testament a tenth meaning ten percent and back then it wasn't money, right? Money is a new concept if we can be honest with you, money. Mm-hmm. Transactions have been happening since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. but how we transacted, what, you know, the different kinds of currency we use has transcended time. There was cattle, mm-hmm. there was oil, there were- there Seashells. Were seashells, there were crops. There were, um, you know, in, Af- in, 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 in Africa, they had the curry shells, a curry shells rather. So there, there's always been different things we use transactionally to form transactions currency has taken all kinds of shapes and forms mm-hmm. but now we use paper called money uh, and it's chart and we're starting to not use paper and we're moving into uh, digital currency mm-hmm. and and and, it'll, and 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 how we transact will always change so in the beginning when we talk about the tie there, it was an exchange of crops. He gave 10% of, of their crops or 10% of their cattle or 10% of their flock. That mm-hmm. was the transaction, a 10th. Um, and then there was the first, uh, the first fruit, like the first of it, they would give the entire. So let's talk about a crop. Uh, let's just say the first harvest. They would give the entire first harvest as an offering to God, mm-hmm. not 10% so that the rest of it would prosper. Mm. We don't talk about that at all because you know telling somebody, hey, you got a new job, your first paycheck, that's your first fruit offering, give the whole paycheck. Mm. We don't talk about that anymore.
1: You know, you didn't say that at all to me. So I was just I'm just glad, you know, just for those. They didn't ask me that my he prayed for me to get a new job, I got it, but he didn't ask me to give his first Mm -hmm. check.
0: (laughs) Because I think that's a teaching that has to happen. You can't Here's my thing, and, and and that's the beauty of me not growing up in the church. I only I, I think that before you start asking of things, you have to teach why you're asking. Here's why yeah. you do that. Here's the yeah. biblical precedent as to why you do that. Here how here's how it ties to us as new Christian, I mean New Testament Christians. So to your point again, the tithe is 10 and it happens before you give to Caesar, meaning mm. Uncle Sam in our case.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's expected. The same way it was expected in the Old and New Testament is expected of Christians today to give the tithe. Offering is above and beyond that. So when we look at a model of offering, well, we got to look at the, the early church, right? Let's go to the Book of Acts, chapter two, round about forty-two verses forty-two down about forty-seven, right? They get when I talk when you talk about giving, they if if they had some kind of belief system, they were already giving a tithe. Okay. And if they weren't given a tie, mm-hmm. well, Caesar was collecting a tax either way. The same yeah. way Uncle Sam collects a tax either way. You were giving something to somebody, even if you were a non-believer, but if you were a Jewish person, or even if you were a Samaritan who believed in God, but not the same way you gave something that's mm-hmm. period.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: when we look at what happened in, in, in the book of Acts, Right. Well, they received this new thing, this gospel that Peter had just preached. And the Bible says that day, thousands became members of this movement called the way. And here's how they gave. They sold possessions. Mm-hmm. They So I'm literally, if I had a hundred acres of land, I'm selling that. Not so I can come up, but so that you who don't have any acres of land, now you got something. Mm-hmm. That's giving. I'm giving above and beyond what I'm required to give, and so that's what giving. Giving is a heart thing. Tithing, and so I'm, I'm about to get crazy here. Tithing was a law thing originally, mm. which continued on. It didn't stop. The law didn't stop all of a sudden. Jesus said, "I didn't come to abolish the law; I came to fulfill it." So mm. he wanted to give a better and clear understanding of what the tithe was. They didn't suddenly abolish the tithing. No, tithing was still happening but we but but giving was a whole nother level it's a heart thing so tithing is the requirement giving is the heart thing it's a matter of the heart Mm. so anytime in the new testament they talk about uh god loves a cheerful giver that's that's not tithing (laughs) Uh Tithing is uh, god expects you to do the bare minimum
3: well, and, and that's the, the verse that I, know I remember hearing my dad say all the time when he would talk about uh, tithing is from the book of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, um, you know, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Mm. And yeah. when we think of, when we jump into the New Testament, when we think of the automatic assumption that there was giving, ha- giving happening um, in the storehouse, like there was, we had stuff together. That's the lesson in Joseph. Um, in Genesis, you know, the fact that the, uh, that, that Jacob and Joseph's, Joseph's other brothers were saved because even through a bad experience of being thrown in the, the pit and being sold into slavery and being um, in uh, the, the, the Pharaoh's household and moving up the ranks to prime minister level, his vision of knowing that we need to save and store in the storehouse that predates the, uh, all of that, that whole story predates Moses in the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Abraham and his exchange with Melchizedek in, uh, in Genesis predates the 10 commandments. Um, so when we talk about tithe going before the law, it happens before the law. There was always this appreciative dis- spiritual discipline of mm-hmm. I know I didn't do this on my own. I need to make sure the people who are tasked With making sure the rest of us can thrive in the community, Mm. have what they need. So the storehouse is filled. And so there's this automatic assumption. And when it becomes a heart issue for the Christians, Mm. um, it's a heart issue because it's like, hey, we're not just giving because we have to. And so one of the things I saw as I was was thinking about our our talk today was an article that was on ChristianityToday.com. And they talked about how we have used the poor widow, the, who gives her two mites. or I mean, we always say the poor widow gave her last two pennies to the yeah. church, and
2: mm-hmm. she was
3: blessed for it. But what we actually miss in the context, in Jason and Tiffany, you guys know this about me from Bible study. I'm always like, we take one verse and run this way with it when the rest of the verses around it go that way. and, yes. it. and so, uh, so what happens in that that story? in the in the context in mark uh mark 12 and it's also told in luke's gospel luke chapter 21 and mark chapter 12 the poor widow jesus is actually saying he's rebuking the way the temple leadership has mismanaged the funds that were Mm. being stored. and so the problem that people have today is mismanagement Mm -hmm. mismanagement makes cnn.com mismanagement makes it to uh to the evening news uh, it's like, oh, this guy stole all the money from the church. Uh, mm-hmm. Management is a problem. We actually had a running joke the first few years in our ministry. Um, our, we had a minivan that was missing a hubcap.
2: Mm. <laughs>
3: and, it, and 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 part of his offering talk on Sunday morning was, listen, y'all know I'm not stealing from the church. I'm missing a hubcap on my van <laughs> out there in the parking lot. You know, we're not, you know, we're because it's like, you feel compelled that you have to put this disclaimer on like hey i'm not stealing the money going mm. back to the placards on the wall of the of the church in the tradition like hey we're not stealing here's look you can see everything that's there and why yeah. do we have that we have that disbelief because of judas mm. because judas was the treasurer in jesus's merry band of crew and 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 in, in his crew judas was took from that and created all kinds of problems but yeah. even God was able to use that problem into setting in motion the things that were supposed to happen so that Christ could die for our sins and be resurrected. And that was the thing that the people were celebrating. So, but this woman, the question that nobody ever asked, and this is the thing the article is pointing out in Christianity Today. The thing that people never ask is, why was this widow destitute and giving her last two pennies to the to the temple why was she even there Mm. And previous to that jesus is turning over tables of the money changers he's in there clearly complaining about hey i got a problem with the way y'all are doing things Mm. and so why wasn't the church why wasn't the temple giving to the widow why was she why did she only have two pennies like what that shouldn't happen Mm -hmm. and so jesus is giving commentary and 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 uh responding to the Pharisees saying you're not doing what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 26 you're not doing what you're supposed to, this lady is clearly not taken care of mm. and he says woe to y'all watch out the Pharisees are over there with their fancy robes and their fancy cars and their fancy houses and they are taken care of the Pharisees mm. being the church leaders temple leaders but mm. then Jesus is like it goes and you're not helping people like you're supposed to be that's not mm. what this money is. it's not for you to have the fanciest robe mm-hmm. it's for us to be helping people and and Jesus goes but that's cool y'all keep doing that the temple will be destroyed mm. now here's the interesting thing about Jesus's prophecy because we don't teach that prophecy in the context of the widow or what Jesus is complaining about with the money changers in AD 70 about 50 years after all this stuff happens with Jesus and the resurrection, the temple does get destroyed. Mm. Why? Because the people who politically were upset that Jesus didn't come to create an earthly kingdom, that's why they released uh, Barabbas instead of Jesus. Mm. Uh, right before Easter, they, they choose Barabbas because they think they're going to need to take back their political boundaries Mm. as a country by force but that's Mm. not what jesus teaches jesus talks about is in our mind and in our mind if we're thriving emotionally uh mentally spiritually and physically all of those things come to to pass so jesus predicts that the temple will be destroyed and it was um because of a political uprising uh with the jews and, and they got beat out. And in fact, the, the, uh, the record of that adorns the Colosseum in Rome to this day. Wow. Wow. And so what we miss is we don't tie it all together. And yeah. that's where the, the question of thriving, the question of why we give, we give not because we want the preachers to drive a nice car. We give because the church is here to help support. And it, that's why it's a heart issue. Because if I love you, if I love my neighbor, I want to see them thrive yeah so what
2: do you do for the person who feels like they're the ones that should be given to are they still responsible
3: for giving the tithe if they're christians yeah
0: absolutely if they're and that's
3: that's the message with the with the lady with the widow with the two mice it's like because here's the thing it's a it's a percentage if i have Hmm. a dollar then that's 10 cents yeah um, and I'm not a math major, so I won't try to go beyond that. <laughs> but it's it it's that we it's a heart issue. If I have it, you have it. Now here's the mm. question though, and then Jesus says this: if someone takes your shirt or shoes or something, um, and then you give them the shirt off your back, like it doesn't mean that we become bitter. And I think that's the, the other part of it that happens when it comes to giving that giving question if I'm already living in poverty, do I become bitter that I'm in that, that I'm there? Mm.
1: Wow. Because think, it's a
3: hard yeah. issue. Do I become bitter? Because the question is, is we don't spend enough time saying, how can I make better choices so that my children live better? And that's the, the, the verse, I think from the old, I think it's from the old Testament. I leave an inheritance for my children's children.
1: Yeah. In yeah. Proverbs. Yeah
3: um and so and that's the thing that we miss is that the proverbs don't go away the psalms don't go away in the new uh, under the new covenant that we still need that's practical advice from god it's like don't make poor decisions don't be lazy don't do that but the thing is is we mix it all up and we don't know how to walk and chew gum at the same time how do Mm. i compassionately show love to someone who has less than i have yeah at the same time helping them out of where they're at so that they can thrive and teaching yeah. them to fish, so to speak.
1: And yeah. Know? And that, that like requires so much, um, not so much, but it requires wisdom
2: mm-hmm.
1: to apply it correctly. Right. Because when you were saying, uh, to give to those who are like fortunate immediately, my mind, and even when you was talking about, uh, we're thriving together and, and sharing our resources, you, you, I know there's listeners out there that thinks, well, if I give, what about me? Mm -hmm. If I give this, how am I going to pay Georgia Power or whatever? Or, and what if I give and they misuse what I gave? I saw a a homeless family. He looked like he was a wino, but I felt like I should give to him. But I don't want him to get, you know, a Coke 45, you know, and later on in the day. What, What? Talk us through... What our mentality should be as Christians in that?
0: Um, I always, when it comes to matters of giving, I always um, give with the spirit of discernment.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, I begin my day asking God, God, give me an opportunity to make your name famous. Give me an opportunity to literally be your hands and feet. And so because I've set my day up in that kind of prayer, I'm always looking for opportunities too either help somebody financially help somebody with prayer i'm always looking for it and so when it comes to matters of giving i never feel guilty i'm gonna be honest with you i'm a pastor some people on your in your audience may not agree with this i never feel guilty when i don't give to somebody who's in need Mm. because i trust the holy spirit within me Mm. say that i've had moments where literally i've driven by people but then i was like i've got to turn around that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to allow me to give in vain. Yeah. And here's the other part. When we give, here, why are you giving?
1: Are That's you so giving
0: hard. because you want a pat on the back? Look at what I'm doing. Hey, you mind if I put this on my Instagram?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I want the world to see my good deeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus
3: talks about that. Do not. Right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, He says, "Do not pray, um, where you're standing on the street corner so everybody can see you."
0: right and it's not about you it's a you know it's it's about making making people see the goodness and being the hands and feet of Jesus right Mm -hmm. and so but there are times where somebody's asking like I see people right now at our local public's whole families out there and I'll drive by and I don't feel guilty because I don't have that spirit of discernment to give
2: Mm.
0: right right not that I don't trust it but when it's a burden on me to give like there are people who join our prayer and there's a guy, the same guy who types in a message. Hey, I'm still in a hotel. Uh, I'm not still in a hotel. I'm in a hotel. My family and I, we're going to get put out this hotel. He's put that same message in the comment section of our prayers for two months. The exact mm-hmm. same message. It's like, are you really in a hotel? Mm-hmm. Are you still in that same predicament? Or are you just trying to you know, look for an opportunity? Yeah. We've got to be, that's why prayer is essential better is he that is in me than he that is in the world so i'm going to trust the holy holy spirit is already in you Mm -hmm. you just ask you know is this Mm -hmm. is this something i need to be giving to now there are people to your question uh, who need help Mm -hmm. right people who give who need help i have somebody who literally asked me a question who said this uh, direct message me they said you always mention giving but what do you what do you give of nothing Mm. what what do you give of nothing? How do I give a tithe and I don't have any money to give? Yeah, yeah. Well, God understands that. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have, right. but you have to give from what God has given you. Mm. That's how, how else do we show gratitude? Now people say, you know, well, God can't spend the money. God doesn't want your money. To God. Mm. You're right. God, God wants people who he's blessed with resources to be resourceful to mm-hmm. people who don't have resources.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. Yeah. That's
0: what he requires of us. This is why even Jesus and the disciples collected money
2: mm-hmm. because
0: ministry costs. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, mm-hmm. the, third, the second person in the Trinity mm-hmm. and they're collecting money to do ministry mm-hmm. because God doesn't need money. He needs people who are resourceful to help people who are not.
2: So are, you, so are you saying since Jesus and his followers collected money that Jesus was not poor he didn't just do it.
0: Jesus was definitely not poor without I money. Not that this Sunday, mm-hmm. um, when we look at, I mean, and I tell, and I don't know where this this is a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. I think this came from somewhere in culture. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people who thought I I thought I did not like Christianity. I hated Christians. They were hypocrites. They were selfish. They were self. Uh, they were all about who they were. I did not like it. And I thought all pastors were thieves. I really thought that
2: Mm.
0: not being, so I understand the worldview of the church and money. I totally understand it. I totally get it because I was a part of that worldview before I was a Christian, but Mm. in my exegetical study,
1: Wait, wait, hold on. wait, 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 you, you need to, to you break, need that, break down. that down, you you know, you <laughs> we talk SAT it, words, can you bring exe- it down, please? Actually,
0: exe- exegete is becoming more of a popular, not unchristian term than anything. Now, basically, you just take a text and you break it down in different translations of the Bible, break it down in the historical, from a historical standpoint, you look at it from a cultural uh, perspective, and you also look at it from the original language and the audience that it was presented to.
3: Mm. You ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the text in the context that it would have been heard by the original audience.
0: Mm. So when we look at the story, the birth story, according to the gospel of Matthew of Jesus Christ, I believe it's in Matthew chapter two, beginning of verse one, where the baby is born. The three wise men, watch this, this is so good, I'm not going to go too deep with this, Uh, but the three wise men who were actually Jewish astrologers who studied astrology and astronomy, right? They were, you know, some people have tried to make them kings, and I'll explain why they tried to say that the wise men were kings, because of the gifts that they brought Jesus. Well, what Mm. did they bring Jesus? They brought gifts that only people who were wealthy or people who were influential or affluential had access to. They brought him frankincense, which is a rare fragrance. They brought a myrrh, also another rare fragrance and balming agent that they use uh, when you are balming the dead. And they brought him gold. Mm. I don't know nobody poor that got gold. (laughs) (laughs) They brought the king gifts that only a king would have access to. This is why many people have struggled with this idea that the wise men were kings because they had gifts or access to gifts that only kings would have. But all historians and many scholars would disagree and say, no, these were just wise uh, 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 men who were Jewish astrologers and astronomers. Mm. Now, astronomers. So let's go back to Jesus's poverty. You mean to tell me they gave this man rare and expensive gifts and all of a sudden they were gone and he all of a sudden is poor. Jesus was never poor. Mm. matter of fact, let's talk about even his daddy, his his earthly father, Joseph, who was a carpenter. That was not a poor trade. As a matter of fact, let's talk about the disciples that he hung out with, fishermen. Do you realize that fish was a primary meat source for the community? And if Peter Mm. and his brothers had a fishing business, they weren't poor fishermen. They were good fishermen. Mm. So good that Jesus said, y'all do this so well. Let me show you how to do this for people.
3: And point. if you think about it, and this is the cultural context that's so important that he just pointed out, when you think about it, if you run a company and the fact that you can walk off and go, I don't know, decide that you want to go to outer space, <laughs> you don't leave the company and it just tanks. Uh-huh. No, somebody else is running things for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, it is a, it is a, this is the cognitive dissonance that happens in the logic of people when we're as Christians, where we just go, well, I just got to have faith. No, it's, this is not a faith question. This is, this is straight up logic. Mm -hmm. If I have a successful fishing business and I got time to go follow a rabbi around Israel and Judea Mm -hmm. and, and listen to him, like, then I had stuff going on. A carpenter, I watch enough HGTV, and I'm sure many of your listeners do as well, to know that those carpenters making the custom furniture that I got to go to rooms to go and buy?
0: And now, now hold on.
3: That's so not a...
0: Further evidence that Jesus was not poor as culture and even some Christians, want you believe was, we know the story of the woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 mm-hmm. years. Who reached out to touch what? The hem of the garment that mm-hmm. Jesus was wearing. Mm-hmm. The robe that he was wearing, poor people didn't have. My mm-hmm. wife broke this down to me uh, some time ago. This robe he was wearing was, 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 was not a, a cheap robe. It wasn't a hand-me-down. This represented a, a, some affluence or influence. This robe that this woman touched, the fact that it was so low to the ground, it was very priestly. It was a sign of some form of royalty Mm -hmm. whoa and people don't realize that but we don't talk about that it had no seam there it is that's the point i was trying to i couldn't remember that
3: yeah it had no seam so it wasn't two pieces of of material fused together like mm -hmm. poor people would have you know it was It was a, so, the, so the thing that we miss, and this is why I think that, that Bible study is so important, you know, because it, it, I love teaching Bible study, is that we miss the point of a lot of things happening in scripture. And there's, and culturally in the United States, there's a lot of really good reasons for it. Uh, we're not, we haven't always been an entirely literate nation and that's not a, a racial thing that goes, everybody wouldn't go into school right, right. Um, until after World War II, uh, having access to education right, was right. not a thing. So people learn, a lot of times they memorized the Bible. Like mm-hmm. there was one person, the tradition in the church of, of lining, of the black church of lining hymns that call in response comes from the fact that everybody couldn't read the hymnal so you had the deacon up there that would rattle off the words so it's it's there's there's cultural reasons but when when we take the time to exegete the text what you're really doing is going and asking all those questions it's like well why was the widow there at the temple that day why was jesus uh you know not really you know not poor as we think where did we get that idea from and and I
0: think that, and I'm sorry to oh, cut no, you. I think that every Christian, it's not the job of just the pastor. I think if you are a Christian, you should be studying. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. And I'm saying this to my congregation, right? If you are watching this, I don't want you to just sit there and listen to me and not check me on everything mm-hmm. I say. I want you to check me. I want. I want you to see, like, yo, is he telling the truth? Like, I just right now, even you listeners who are watching this and tuning into this, whatever the case may be. I want you to check and see what I said about Jesus' poverty level. I want you to exegete that, study that on your own and you will see for yourself what I mean uh, uh, about him not being poor.
3: That's actually, and that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's part of the context, part of the the conversation about money in the church. Mm. Um, We are, in the New Testament, Peter writes this, we're the priesthood of believers. Mm-hmm. We, one of the things that is significant in the Easter story about how, when Jesus dies on the cross, the, uh, curtain in the temple to the Holy of Holies room renders, it, it rips in half. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because in the, the old Testament, the average person could not go into the Holy of Holies. That was just reserved mm-hmm. for the priests. Wow. So the question when we talk about love being really important in, in as, as disciples of, of Jesus Christ is that we're all on equal footing again. Mm. Yeah. It restores that relationship with God where I don't have to be um, clergy. I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to go to school and earn a master's in divinity. I can read God's word for myself. And thanks to the internet today, there's a whole host of tools out there that are free that I can use as a resource for learning challenge that we have in the body of christ is we don't think that that we're we're so used to this power dynamic whether it's a patriarchy power dynamic or a socioeconomic power dynamic that we have put that into our belief system in the church and we've said i if, if the pastor doesn't say it then you know i i don't know what it is or or if if I don't know it for myself. I always have to ask him or ask her, and that's not really true. That's not what it says in the New Testament. But we're not taught to read it for ourselves,
1: right? But right. we
3: are a priesthood of of, of believers. There's no uh, there's one of the challenges. Why there's so many different denominations in Christianity today has a lot to do with the fact that there uh, there's no preferred hierarchy defined in the new testament there's like four roughly about four mm-hmm. different models as far as running that we've seen the new testament for running your church like uh, administratively um but really we're all supposed to be on the same footing it's a matter mm-hmm. of how far you are on your spiritual journey how mature you are on your spiritual journey that mm-hmm. elevates you to pastor or elder um status or deacon status not because you're <laughs> over 40. <laughs> right you know, that, mm-hmm. that yeah. you
1: know, You guys are like dropping so many insights and nuggets that is really heavy and it's good. It's good heavy because I told people like, (laughs) that's why we have this technology. You can just go pause, go research, you know, chop it up into bite-sized pieces for yourself. I do want to ask for those people who are going to go out and kind of fact check things how and want to learn more about it because we can't cover everything the bible says about money in this conversation but Mm -hmm. i do want to head on two more points but the first point how should someone go about studying the bible as it relates to handling our finances because i think is your the theme of you had to make better decisions and he does want us to thrive so put that together for us
2: And then any other, any resources that you recommend outside of the Bible that can help people? I know, I know in our Bible studies, sometimes we pull up the blue letter Bible, for instance, are there any resources that you could specifically mention?
3: So, well, I'm gonna let you answer that, but I do want to tell people how to get to the blue letter Bible, because that is a resource, um, the blueletterbible.com, right. Um,
1: they're not a sponsor, so we're, we're good. Google it.
3: Blue <laughs> Letter Bible. Um, what it allows you to do is to, put, to go deep dive into the Greek or Hebrew. Mm. Uh, so if it's the New Testament, it's going to be in Greek, and the Old Testament is going to be in Hebrew. But the thing that you want to look at is the definitions of the words, of the Greek or Hebrew words, because the Bible wasn't written in English. And so mm. we have to. So we are at the, the mercy of the translations and the translation teams. Um. It blue. Oh, my bad, blueletterbible.org. Thank you, dear. Um, so what else would you say are, are the better resources?
0: Um, well, th- 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 there's different levels. Yeah. There's how deep you want to go. So there sure. are so many resources out there. There's the free uh, resource of Blue Letter Bible. There's also free, court. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Dallas Theological Seminary offers free courses on any particular subject matter that you want to study.
1: Mm -hmm. Free.
0: When we talk about Dallas Theological Seminary, we're talking about the Harvard of seminaries. This is the premier seminary, and they offer free courses as well as Harvard School of Divinity, uh, Princeton. Just look for those things. You could type in free. Seminary and you'll find it. That's a Google thing. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to invest in it, uh, they have different levels of this one software called logos, l-o-g-o-s. Look that mm-hmm. up, logos uh software. There are different levels um, that you can invest in this software, like for a lay person, meaning somebody who is not a minister, they have that level where you get access to hundreds sometimes of commentary. You get access to more than one kind of concordance. The concordance is how you translate the the words in the Bible from Hebrew or Greek. You get all of this online and you could even have it on your phone.
3: Uh, Let me explain commentary uh, real quick for folks. Go ahead. uh, We we keep referring to commentary. So what a commentary is, is where a scholar has written um, basically a series of essays about Bible passages. Mm-hmm. and scripture passages. So if I reference, for example, I'm talking about heart of giving, I might say 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And someone may throw a verse out there, maybe verse three or verse 11 or seven. And you want to understand, well what is the scholarly research on that passage? And so what then you're looking at in the commentary is you're pulling up what was the context that that was written in. And so all the extra mm-hmm. stuff, that a a minister or pastor might include in their sermon that they're explaining that verse, they're getting it from a commentary. They're not pulling it out of a hat Or multiple commentaries. Or at least I hope not. Um, But it's, you know, the Lord spoke to me. But it's from the commentary. (laughs) So multiple commentaries is really really helpful. And so that's what a commentary is. It's just giving you um the background information on that verse uh the audience things like the audience and where they were going with maybe cultural context if they're using a word or term that's unfamiliar to us in the 21st century that would have been familiar to a first century audience
1: so. yeah and um just so the audience knows too um if you're going to do some research on money and the biblical perspective of any kind of uh, money situation uh pastor e and pastor b both said something i want you guys to catch and that was, you have to look at um, the context, the who, what, when, where, and why. Like, who are they talking to? Why was this conversation even happening? And not just pluck out one sentence and then to think of it. Like, I always say this. I was uh, doing one of our Bible studies. <clears throat> if I read something that, like, that touched me, that stood out to me, I was like, all right, well, let me see what the prequel says. Let mm-hmm. me look at <laughs> let me see what right. the prequel says and then after that i said well, what's the sequel and i look after description uh, after that that's verse good. that's how you should that's
3: that's exactly it that mm-hmm. is exactly it and that's a great analogy the prequel and the sequel
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so man you guys are just dropping so much we're pretty much running out of time and i got like two more questions i'll probably ask you offline but would you guys be willing to come back again to talk to us more Oh, uh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. We. We'll, sure. we'll try to talk less and just
3: yeah, <laughs> just sit and
0: let you ask questions and you know sometimes no. we'll no, this
1: end. this this was good because when we come back, we'll probably talk more about how to handle money from a marital standpoint, where two minds and two wills are coming together mm-hmm. and they're supposed to be under you know God's uh influence and how how can that work, you know that practically. And because I believe you guys have a marriage coaching consul, uh, consulting company, right?
3: Yes.
0: Tell yes, us about we that. Do. It's called uh, Iago, I-A-G-O, Wedding Consultants. Um, and what we do is we offer premarital counseling. We offer, you know, we could actually do your wedding. I could help you even plan your wedding. I officiate your wedding. But we also help you when, after you've said I do, uh, We we want to make sure that you start right, you stay right and you finish right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's important. And so um, we value premarital counseling. As a yeah, matter of fact, I so. think that if we did not have uh, premarital counseling, we would have a different understanding because we talk to so many people who don't understand the oneness of marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I can't wait to have that conversation with you because yeah. a lot of people have, you know, like, hey, you pay this bill and I pay that bill. And it's like, yes. you guys are not roommates, you're, 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 you're married. <laughs> yeah. They're y'all's bills.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: That student debt. Yeah. That was your wife's or that was your husband's student debt, but now that's you Y'all, student Oh, yeah. That's, that's that, but that's, that's oneness.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so we would love to come back and, and have that conversation. We're not, and I, here, here's our disclaimer. We are not financial experts.
3: No. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we are not uh, uh, theologians. Per se, but we believe in the whole word of God from the index to the maps, and that has been what has guided us in our marriage. Again, eighteen years together, eighteen years married, nineteen years together, and we have. Well, when we had that conversation, I have to talk to my wife to see how transparent we can be. <laughs>
3: I don't know, he likes to be a little bit too transparent. And I yeah. don't think it's such
0: a thing. I think people. I for me personally, <laughs> I love success stories. I'm being honest with you. I don't, you can give me a list of step-by-step things to do. That's cool. But I want to see, have you ever suffered before? Right. Have you experienced homelessness before? Have you experienced foreclosures or any? I want to know that. And, mm-hmm. and then like, if I see you successful only, and I don't see mm-hmm. that you failed. Yeah. I don't help me. Here's yeah. your step-by-step tutorial on how to be successful. Yeah, okay, cool. Did you get that out of book or did you actually experience that? Yeah. That's why I'm transparent as a pastor because people have this per- perception that we're perfect. Man, we go mm. through ish like everybody else. Yes, I said that word. Yes, it's you incredible. did.
3: <laughs> actually, you know, that's actually a b- <laughs> word in the Bible. Um, But uh, ish? yeah, ish. Ish? I was studying because uh, I'm... It does, is, it, does it All mean me
0: what you saying?
1: Does it still mean... Yeah
3: no <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah anyway uh I, I, I but yes we would love to come back and our honest. instagram is santiago marriage coaching um santiago marriage coaching that's our instagram and uh what we do is we we coach we're not we're not here to counsel i will if you have like real serious issues i will refer you happily to a professional and licensed counselor we're mm-hmm. here to coach you which is a little bit different than counseling yeah um, because but most people don't need counseling most of us can't need coaching we just need somebody to tell us what here's the here's the playbook mm-hmm. here's what i need to do come on, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. i think why uh, wallet coach is such a great concept because mm-hmm. you're not here to counsel somebody's got real financial issues they need to be in front of a financial planner who can see their budget and see yeah. what's going on but yeah. you're here to provide coaching Here's mm-hmm. the play-by-play. Here are some, some, some suggestions for how you can navigate what, where, where you're at right now uh, financially yeah. in in, in, a, in a biblical way. And so I think yeah. that that's awesome what you guys are doing for folks.
0: And I think about coaches, they always encourage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They just go say, this is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to do. But coaching, there's encouragement. There's mm-hmm. exhortation. There's, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's this love. Uh, and this desire for success for the people you with so, anyway
1: yeah wow thank you thank you for the plug thank you for those those, those kind words tiffany you got any more questions for the lovely pastor b pastor e
2: no it, are, are there any well actually are there any other platforms that you would like to uh, mention where they can find you on social media
0: we are mosaicchurch.org mm-hmm. okay that's where we want you at check us out we are mosaicchurch.org org you could follow my wife on her personal uh instagram and social media which is plug yourself
3: what is i'm trying to think what it is uh erica underscore M-d- m-div. M-div. Yeah. mdiv
0: yeah yeah, yeah. erica uh, so with a k
3: yeah erica with a k um, not a
0: ck just a k
3: just a k so my parents right. were trying i was as different as they were going to be um <laughs> erika underscore m div uh and that is that's me on twitter and on instagram um and uh yeah
0: and i am pastor b santiago on all social media platforms except for
1: tiktok and snapchat and w- what else is there so there? so are you are you on tiktok
3: no, is pastor I'm b
1: on tiktok huh i'm not
3: i'm actually on tiktok but that's to watch our kids <laughs> that's i a want one, another
0: one on TikTok, but that's another story that's yeah. another when we story. get back i would love to talk about about <laughs> about the christian perspective regarding wealth mm-hmm. there's such a fallacy behind that but if uh have us back we want to tease us coming back with that conversation
1: christianity as absolutely um so folks you have it here we've got enough to get us started we have a blueprint of what god expects us from a giving perspective from a prosperity perspective because now prosperity doesn't mean the get rich name it claim it kind of slogans has been out there but really talking about thriving um as the scripture says you as your soul prospers mm-hmm. you're you know hope you prosper even your souls prosper so you thrive doing better you're achieving you are okay because of a couple of things one you're loved you have uh, you're humble you're content and those things anchor you to thrive in any circumstances which kind of goes to one of our mottos which is it doesn't matter what you make is what you do, what you make.
3: Amen. So we've
1: been so we've been talking about making better decisions. And the one way you can make better decisions is to have conversations like this with wise people like this and get surround yourself with wise counsel. Yes. Yes. So, hey, guys, that is it. Um, wow. We're going to get them back here sooner than later. Thank you, Pastor B, Pastor E for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. Tiffany, closing thoughts.
2: Thank you guys for coming on.
1: We'll Thanks see for you on having us. We'll <laughs> see you on Sunday. I Thank love you.
3: it. Thank you. Thank you. This has been fun.